and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I am your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I am here to hold your hand as you seek answers to those mystery bumps and lumps that you dare not speak of in public. Yo, hi, Bafetu. I'm still registering the fact that it was like January, like last week. When even did we get to March? Yo, 2022 is moving, man. And the Kimberly friend in crisis shares my exact sentiments. In fact, Yena Arish is so exhausted that even her tired is tired. She sent us a voice note. Hi, Lulu. I am exhausted. Every day feels like a Monday morning and sleep isn't even an escape for me anymore. Normal things just feel like a weight on my shoulders. Work is fine, I guess. I do the tasks and go back home. Home is heavy since I had to move back with my parents. They constantly demand my attention. I feel defeated every single day. I am emotionally, physically and mentally winded. I can't catch my breath because it is on to the next task. My body is tense and I'm always nauseous. I haven't washed my hair in weeks because I don't have time. And it is only the beginning of the year. (sighs) Anonza, I see you and I feel you. And trust, I have the hookup, my angel. Our guest this week is Luke Skippers, a clinical psychologist who is based in Paul. Skippers is a relationship-focused therapist informed by various scientifically validated psychotherapy schools of thought. You know, I know that in the pandemic especially, we've heard this buzzword, burnout. Can you then give us a definition of burnout and also how you as an individual can catch the early signs of burnout and begin to address it? Nolutandu, when we hear our listener's story, and we really feel for her. We are hearing that she feels overwhelmed. We are hearing that she's in a lot of distress. She says here, I just don't have the time to even wash her hair. So this is a person who's feeling like she has to work all the time. So during this pandemic, burnout has become a very common complaint in people. There's a very important reason for that. When it comes to burnout, how do we understand it? Burnout has recently been defined and listed in the International Classification of Diseases. That's the manual that people in medical professions and in psychology can use to um, list, diagnose, label problems people we are facing. So burnout is a syndrome. It is a syndrome which results from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And it has three dimensions. The first one, as we hear with our listener is feeling utterly exhausted. You are depleted of all your energy. Another part of burnout is that one feels very distant from your job. You don't derive any satisfaction from it anymore. It's just same old, same old. You're feeling very negative and cynical about your job. And then the third dimension of burnout is that you are feeling unable to complete your work demands successfully. You are not being productive anymore. You are not working effectively within your professional environments. So this is essentially the definition of burnout. And as we hear with our listener today, she is feeling 
like she's failing at meeting the demands on her. She's feeling totally worn out and she's exhausted because there's just two excessive demands on her energy, her strength and the resources at her disposal. When it comes to burnout, it's an insidious condition, meaning that it develops gradually, usually without one really noticing it, unless you're going to make a concerted effort and get into the habit of noticing the signs and it has long-term consequences. During the pandemic, burnout increased amongst people because we were working remotely and it was more difficult for us to have that boundary between our work and our home life. And I think we didn't have much of a break between our fulfilling of responsibilities to earn an income and our responsibilities taking care of our households, maintaining a home, looking after children, pets. There just wasn't really any sense of a gap between the two. And that's why we saw so much burnout occurring during this pandemic. So there are some early signs that one can be on the lookout for. These include cardiovascular symptoms. We're talking about lungs and hearts. We're going to have problems in your breathing. Your breath might be more shallow than usual. It might feel like you have to catch your breath more often than not. Your heart rate might be more elevated than usual. You're going to have concentration difficulties as an early sign of burnout. Being more easily irritable, even the smallest things might fuel your temper. Your sleep quality will be reduced. You will not be interacting with others as per usual. You might feel like you'd rather be alone more often than not. Your productivity level lowers at work. You're more anxious. You're avoiding making difficult decisions. You have fatigue, changes in appetite, more headaches than usual, and a general sense that your work is now more important than any of the rest of your life aspects. You are neglecting the other important aspects of your life. So these are some of the typical signs that we should be on lookout for early on. And once we notice that, it's best to act preventatively. There's the old adage of prevention is better than cure. And the same is true with burnout. And I think what we should be trying to do is to develop a habit of balance. A habit of balance between three domains of one's life. Work, play, and rest. What should you do if you do experience burnout? Do you just up and quit? What are the different kinds of burnout as well? Well, Nolutandu, I think if our preventive efforts have not done the job or perhaps we weren't able to do any of these prevention efforts, we might move into what I think can be called a full-on burnout syndrome, full-force burnout. That is going to be characterized by persistent tiredness. It's just not now. It's not just now and again. You're feeling tired all the time, like our listener. You're procrastinating. You are putting things on hold until the last minute. You are developing resentfulness towards colleagues, family members, maybe even yourself. You are engaging in aggressive behavior. You're not feeling like anything you do matters. And you don't have any regard really for the consequences of your actions. Chronically exhausted. You no longer desire sexual intimacy. You're not attending to your problems, but denying them, feeling threatened, even if the threat is not there, and feeling pressured, even though the pressure is not really there to perform. And this thing we get in South Africa, very often people who try to escape psychologically, mentally, by the use of drugs, including that most commonly abused drug known as alcohol. So these are signs of full-on burnout. You're obsessed with the work problems. Your outlook's pessimistic. 
your physical health worsens, you have a lot of doubt in your abilities, your health is deteriorating in all kinds of ways, including your gastrointestinal health and stomach and digestive problems, these chronic headaches that people often complain about. This is when you know that you are in a full burnout. And the first thing you've got to do is to take it seriously. This is not something which is just going to pass. This is not just something that you can shake off. If you are in burnout syndrome, it is best to get professional help before it's too late. So you ask the question of, should I just quit? I think in today's economy, most of us don't have that safety net, which can give us the opportunity to quit and maybe find or work elsewhere or in another way. I would rather suggest that you take your leave. Take some leave. If your vacation time is maybe a few months ahead, go ask if you can have it earlier. Don't just rest during your vacation. What you need to do if you are in burnout is to make an appointment, first with a medical professional, doctors, psychiatrists, because if you're in burnout, you might just need some form of medication or supplement to get your energy levels up, to sleep better, in order for you to start working on your lifestyle and work style. It might also be that you have an undiagnosed physical health problem, which is contributing to the burnout, something which needs to be attended to. It's a good idea to go for these general medical checkups every number of years anyway. But if you're in burnout, I think it's a must. And then another must, as I understand burnout, is to consult with a mental health professional in the form of a counsellor or a psychotherapist, a clinical psychologist, counselling psychologist, somebody who can offer you this space in which you can start exploring how you got into the situation and start developing ways in which you can get out of your burnout. What then would be the difference between um, burnout, depression, and anxiety? Because some of the symptoms and signs of burnout are similar to depression, some psychologists and researchers over the years have viewed burnout as a particular form of depressive anxiety disorder. But the research that I consulted prior to our interview today states that we have to know that there are important differences because an accurate diagnosis will lead to the most effective treatment for you. So depression, or the technical term for it, major depressive disorder, is an experience of depressive episodes. A depressive episode is an episode which lasts for two weeks or longer, which is characterized by a loss of interest or pleasure in the things that used to be enjoyable for you. So the person who loves playing his piano at home suddenly just doesn't get anything from it. Depressed mood, depressed mood is an extreme sadness, a hopelessness, and for some it's something of an emptiness. Parents should look for their teenage and younger children where it can be irritability masking the depression, moodiness. Depressed mood, a depressive episode as fatigue or loss of energy, like burnout. Our concentration is impaired and we are feeling worthless, not good enough. Our appetite can be affected. It can either decrease or increase. And then we've got sleep problems. Either we are sleeping much more than usual or we have insomnia, which is where we have trouble falling asleep and having quality sleep. Depressive episodes also might include suicidal ideation or perhaps an intent to hurt oneself. And in some cases, this leads to a suicide attempt, more severe cases. So that's a depressive episode. 
And that's depression, according to our diagnostic system. Anxiety is a normal human emotion. We all feel anxiety sometimes, and we need anxiety in order to survive. When you see a fast-moving car approaching as you are just about to cross the street and you get that fright and you jump out of the way, that's anxiety saving your life. It's the fight-flight response. So anxiety is normal and we need it. In work, we also need to feel anxious because if we're not going to get that anxiety about the deadline that's approaching, we're not going to bother to even work on achieving the deadline. We need the anxiety to motivate us. But anxiety can also get to a disorder level in the form of generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive OCD has also been viewed as an anxiety type disorder. This is where the anxiety starts to dominate your life. You are so worried about some imagined catastrophe that you lose all hope that you'll be able to complete it or your concentration becomes so affected that you can't do the work. So this is where an anxiety disorder comes in. So what is the link between burnout, depression, and anxiety? What is the difference between them? So they're not the same, but they often go together. For example, a person who is finding themselves in burnout is at a higher risk for developing depression. Depression, which is more pervasive, which starts to affect all areas of your life, not just your work life. A person who's in burnout is obviously experiencing a lot of anxiety, So that's where an anxiety disorder might develop. And from the other side, persons who have tendencies towards depressive episodes are at higher risk for developing a burnout. And people who are maybe in their personality rather anxious, warriors, not warriors with an A, but warriors with an O, they might also find themselves doing more work than they have to because, you know, I have to get it right. Otherwise, you're not going to lose my job. So they might find themselves into a burnout more often than people who do not have problems with anxiety. So there's definitely a link. It's not exactly the same. Dr. Luke, you know, prioritizing your mental health has kind of been frowned on upon, especially in the workplace. Where do you draw the line then between work responsibility and stepping away to prioritize your mental health? The first part of your question is something which I also have reflected on I'm a mental health professional, so I view emotional suffering and having problems at some point in your life very different to what an employer. And I wonder why this is. I think there is a stigma regarding mental health in general. I do think we have something of a macho culture. What I mean by that is we in South Africa are more often than not raised to be strong, you know, no matter what happens. Things like saying such as, Cowboys don't cry, or maybe a little girl is told, don't cry now, my love. You have to set an example for your younger sis or something like that. These messages get internalized. And when we get to adulthood, we start feeling something of a shame about our vulnerable emotions. But these normal vulnerable emotions are part of human life. It's necessary for us to let it out in order for us to move forward. So I think in corporate culture, sometimes it's very macho and there's this idea that you just can't relax. You just got to work, 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 work if you want to get to where you want to be. I also think our culture is rather materialistic. I think we put too much emphasis on this idea that the more things I have, the more beautiful things I have, the, the happier I will be. That's yet to be proven. 
it is shown that once people are lifted out of poverty, they definitely do become happier, understandably so. And that is, we must do our best as a nation to help people out of poverty. But once you're out of poverty, the differences in happiness levels between the billionaire and the millionaire are not there. One can be a billionaire and still have periods where you're feeling very unhappy or even depressed. So emotional suffering does not discriminate according to one's um, income level. Materialism drives us to work harder and harder and harder so that we can earn more and more and more. But what we find is that more is not better. More won't make you happier. So we have to start confronting this culture that we have to be strong all the time. I also have to start looking at the ways in which, you know, consumerism and things detract from the more important aspects of our lives. I also think in some employment settings, the reason for why mental health problems have been frowned upon or poorly understood, perhaps the employer has had a bad experience with an employee who might have problems with responsibility and maybe addiction problems. And perhaps this employer at some point misused some mental health label in order to avoid work. I think that's an absolute minimum of employees, but these are the types of things which might stay in an employer's mind the moment a person says that I'm really suffering and I think I need to get help for depression or anxiety. I think employers should be careful in not judging everybody at the same level. We really need to work at destigmatizing mental health problems within corporate settings. We have to remember that a happy worker is going to be a more productive worker. It's as simple as that. So the more companies invest in well-thought-through, well-structured employee wellness programs, the more that employees are encouraged to take care of themselves, to keep a balanced lifestyle, to go for medical checkups, to consult with mental health professionals, the happier they will be and the more productive they will be in the workplace. It's a win-win for everyone. Where do we draw this line between our work responsibilities and, as you ask, stepping away to prioritize your mental well-being? Well, I think it comes down to what you value most in your life. Reflecting on what your values are, what is important to you as a person? What do you believe your purpose to be? And if part of your purpose is to be a very successful businesswoman, then go for it. But keep it in balance. Don't let it be to the detriment of other important life elements. Be careful that you might have all the success in the world at the age of 60, but you've lost touch with one of your daughters or your son. What matters most in your life is a question you need to ask. And I think most people will find that they are happier when they work in order to live and love rather than live in order to work. Are we stepping away to prioritize our mental well-being? No, I think we are stepping towards because the better our mental health the better we'll be able to meet our responsibilities at work. And then we're going to get a sense of satisfaction out of that. And that's going to improve our mental health as well. It's important for us to notice the signs of when our work responsibilities are to the detriment of our mental well-being. And we notice these signs early on. This takes some getting used to, but it becomes easier with practice. Through working on yourself, growing as a person, you will become more able to listen to your bodily signs, knowing when it's time to rest, when you're okay to work, and also listening to one's inner voice. An inner teacher 
if you will, something of a guide for you to make better health decisions. When it comes to our work responsibilities and our personal well-being, we have to balance effort with ease. And for me, I'm sure there are listeners who are cat owners. I think we can learn a lot from our pets. And I think when it comes to our cats, cats don't work much really. They sleep most of the time. They rest. When your cat wants loving attention, it will come to you and they will signal. They will ask for it through their body language. And we just can't resist, right? And then I'm not a big fan of them hunting little creatures in the garden. But when the cat is working in that way, when the cat is hunting, their focus is intense and undivided. And they do that job effectively and in the shortest amount of time possible. So why must humans think they should work all the time? Maybe your life should be more about rest and play. And when it's time to work, you do so with pure focus and all the energy and enthusiasm that you can master. That would be my last thought for the listeners. Is learn from your cat. Know when it's time to work, when it's time to rest and play and do it fully. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Luke Skippers. For more on burnout, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za or send an SMS to 076-132-0454. I would never blue tick you, baby. Rest, Buffett, rest. Luke explained that burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion that is caused by excessive and prolonged stress. And it occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands. Pace yourself, babes, and take it easy sometimes. That brings us to the end of episode 30 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. From me, Lily Makani. Have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.